Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Ground Buster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Jeffrey Ristrelli, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Hey, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate you having me. Oh, no problem. Hey, I'm going to ask this because I've been asked by 20 or 30 different people. The resurgence of the new Jeffrey Ristrelli, what is going on? Um, Just enjoying riding, enjoying training, um, having a good program behind me. Um, Just a lot of work in the off season. You know, as I'm getting older, I uh, tend to look more into different things, you know, um, doing, you know, certain things that I, I want instead of, uh, you know, things that, um, you know, are just kind of given to me, uh, you know, picking, Hey, I want to do this. And that's all I get. I get to build my own program, build my own motors, you know, choosing what auto body package and, uh, intake package and pipe. And, um, you know, even the head package, you know, trying different things like that and different cams and, um, different shocks, you know, not shocks, but different, uh, shock setups. Obviously I've been with Elka for a while, but um, different shock setups through impact solutions. And, uh, just as I get older, feeling like, um, yeah, just taking a dive into more of that stuff and, and trying to improve the bike and, uh, and improve myself and enjoy what I'm doing. Well, it's sure making a difference because you're third in points right now. You've been in the battle every race and, um, it, it it looks like a whole new, younger, faster, stronger Jeffrey Ristrelli. Yeah, I just get her back. It was just a really good day. Like from when I showed up to the track, I just it was good vibes and um, you know, good, just good camaraderie. And um, I actually stayed in a hotel, which I never do. And it's like in Florida, I had my rig there and everything. And uh, my family showed up, so I went to a hotel and uh, just me and my wife enjoying ourselves and um. Yeah, it was just nice to get away from the track a little bit and and uh, enjoy a little time away and then come back during the day and do that. And, yeah, just just feeling really good, you know, just uh, I enjoyed the, the whole time I was there. And, um, you know, sometimes that's needed to perform well. Yes, it is. Um, if you get into it, you've been doing this for a day or two. And did you change your whole training regimen to suit age or desire? Um, more or less both just trying to figure out what works best for me. Um, you know, I've had a lot of, um, health issues in, in my past and, um, a lot of things I struggle with and I still struggle with, but trying to learn that balance of, of what training I should do and what I feel best doing. Um, and I think that, um, at the, the stage of my career that I found, um, what works best for me, I just think that, um, there's a lot of cycling involved and, um, a little bit of weight training and, um, you know, if I, if I'm tired that day, you know, getting done riding, um, like today, I, I don't, I don't train. Um, I just feel like I've, sometimes I run myself in the ground more than, than I should. And, um, you know, come around race time, it's, it's, uh, you know, a little more fatigued than you should be and you don't perform as well. So just that balance and, um, figuring out what works for me, man, is really, really what I've, I figured out and, um, a lot of knowledge from a lot of different people and, uh, applying that to my training. So, well, you've been doing it for a number of years so so figuring out what your system needs is is number one um contributing factors with your own program and your business um it's freed you up in a lot of different ways i'm assuming yeah for sure um it's freed me up in some ways but it's also put a little pressure on me in some ways you know it's not just uh riding and training now you gotta um you know take care of customers and uh, customers calling you messaging you and you gotta you gotta take care of that or you know you won't have any customers so 
um, you know, that part's good, but it also freed me up in a way of, um, you know, not, uh, spending my own money that I make through sponsors to keep me racing. Um, that's, what's been a, a hard thing to, to balance in the past years. You know, you, you think you're making an okay living and, um, you end up coming home with no money because you're putting it all back into, into the, the ATV motocross or in, into my racing program. So, um, the business is more or less taking care of, um, you know, me running my own program, um, taking care of those costs and the motor costs and the parts and, and all that. So that, that's definitely really, really a, a big help. And, um, everyone that's supported for Shirley racing, I don't think realizes how much of a, of a help it is and, um, how much they have, uh, you know, been a, a key factor in, in my success because it's uh, taken a lot of stress off my shoulders and, um, you know, it's just, it's good. So I want to, you know, thank everybody that's, that's, uh, supported me and, and, um, bought for me. So, because it's a, it is a big help. Yeah. Oh, it always is. You know, you, you have a huge fan base. So I'm assuming that I must just assuming, which I would, I would naturally think that your fans become your customers and that in turn is their friends and family also becoming your customers. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's good to balance, you know, it's like a good balance between, you know, actually new people that I don't really know. And, um, you know, people that I do know. So it is uh, interesting to see that sometimes it is, you know, um, fans and then sometimes they're just people that, uh, you have no idea how they even seen you, you know, just, uh, or, or found out about you. So that's a really cool aspect of, of the business. And, um, yeah, I appreciate all the, all the fans, of course, and all the other ones that, uh, that aren't, uh, don't know me well and entrusted in my business. So that's pretty cool. You have um, also gained a mental outlet with your business that you don't even realize you're thinking about taking care of a customer or, or this job or that instead of stressing over certain aspects of training or, or your race program that gives you a different mental outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And it keeps me a little more busy. Um, I think that, um, you know, my dad always says a busy mind is, 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 uh, is a strong mind. So, um, something that keeps me, keeps me on my toes, you know, keeps me, um, you know, busy, but, uh, also a big help during that race program. Just as I'm getting older, I'm able to, um, take on a little more, um, you know, just realizing what I had to do that day and, um, just able to pull it off and, um, you know, when I was younger, I feel like sometimes it wasn't that way. You know, I just so worried about what I had to do that I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to, uh, take care of customers and ship stuff off and, you know, um, so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You're becoming an adult. Isn't that horrible? It is. It is. <laughs> uh, not, don't do much. Don't do much. Just ride train and, and ship off parts. But you know, that's, uh, it's not a bad life. And, you know, as I, uh, as I grow older, um, I just realized that, um, how fortunate I am to still do this and, um, I'm, I'm not getting any younger and I just got to realize that I'm very fortunate to be, um, uh, where I am and, um, what I'm doing and, um, no, not, not a lot of people are, um, able to do this. And, um, even though I do have a business doing it and riding and training does take a lot of time, there is, um, some time where, um, you know, a lot of people are at their normal nine to five jobs and, and, uh, you know, I can pick up the golf clubs and go golfing, you know, that day, uh, on a rest day or, um, just different things like that. So, um, go spend the day with my family, you know, or my, my wife and my dogs and do things that, uh, other people can't do, um, because of their schedules and having to go to work. So I just realized how fortunate I am. And, um, yeah, I just, it's really good. I'm truly exciting and, uh, makes me push that much harder. That is a great motivation, isn't it? It is. It's very much so. Just uh, just knowing that I can, I'm actually making a, a little bit of a living right now doing it and um, able to pay my bills and, and uh, do what I love is, uh, yeah, man, I just can't uh, ex express how fortunate I am. So it makes me, uh, makes me work a little harder and, um, you know, want to win that much more. Do you think uh, 2022 was a, was a growth development year for Restrelli? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just for the whole program, um, it was a development year and in a lot of ways, you know, uh, realizing, you know, how much money it, it costs last year to, to get myself going and, um, you know, and learning the, the motor program and, um, my shock program and, um, yeah, just, just learning those things and realizing what I was lacking on and, um, realizing, you know, what I could, could make better. And, uh, you know, this year we, 
we went to work this off season and, and did a lot of uh, shock testing and, and motor testing. And, um, you know, other than that, the, the program's the same, but um, just a lot of that was, it was, there's a lot involved um, in that situation for, for uh, quite a few months there. So I started before um, the Vegas race and um, went all the way to, to Daytona. And I think we didn't really finalize a, a total package till um, the, actually the Sunday before Daytona. So I actually had um, Jaime from PP come in and tune my machine Sunday before uh, Daytona. So that was a little late, but um, didn't even ride my bike before the race, but um, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't end up too bad. So fourth for the opener. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a growth year um, and learning um, and just, yeah, just trying to make the best machine possible for me this year. And I think that it, it shows with my starts and my finishes that, uh, yeah, we're, we're here for, we're here for business for sure. Did you like the Daytona course this year? I did. The uh, Daytona was good. Yeah. It was a lot better than the previous year, just because of obviously there was no rain and no water on the track and they didn't have to make, uh, make it super one line. So it was really raceable and, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, I struggled with arm pump a little bit, not prepared on how fast my machine was, to be honest. Um, I was struggling, <laughs> struggling with it out there, but, uh, that's, you know, I could, could have a different problem and be complaining about power. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, ended up being a good race and a lot of fun. It, it, it's almost a good thing to complain that you have too much horsepower, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, thanks to Williams performance and, um, you know, the RP package that we got, uh, between Williams and RP, it's been a, it's been a pleasure working with those guys and, and making, um, Marrying a lot of power and a lot of usable power. And that's exciting for me because I felt like I was always, um, you know, I didn't really had have control over what, uh, what I was running and, you know, between last year and Phoenix, you know, and that's not bad mouthing anybody. It was just those people that I chose have packages and, um, sometimes they work for you and sometimes they don't. And, um, I was able to do what I wanted to this year. And I think it shows uh, how I'm riding and, um, hopefully it'll carry on through the rest of the year. Your decision making out on the track uh, for putting yourself in in better positions is that a form of the package build that you've done along with the maturity gain? Yeah, for sure. This the package is really good, um, good usable power, good torque. Um, that I felt like I, I struggled with a little bit last year. Didn't have the torque that I have this year, and um, uh, just just my whole shots have been really good this year. I concentrated on that a lot. Um, the a couple weeks prior to the race. Because I know when you start up front, it's a lot easier on you, um, you know. And look what could have happened at, at Gainesville or at Gatorback if I didn't get a good start. Um, I could have been in that pileup with Jewel um, easily. You know, I could have been um, taken out by his machine uh, or, or something of that sort. So, um, just just getting good starts is obviously key to uh, to my finishes this year, and uh, that becomes with just practice and and uh, a good package for sure. How was Gatorback? I mean, overall, your result was really well in Gatorback, but the the facility itself and the way the course was laid out, how did how did you like it? I absolutely love the track, honestly. Um, there's obvious people, obviously, people that will disagree, no disagree on you know on you know liking the track or something like that. But that goes with every track. Um, you know, just uh, the track was awesome. I think I think it was um, it was high speed, but the jumps were relatively had safe landings you know it wasn't anything where um it was one particular jump that was KOing people um i think that that the racetrack was good there was a lot of option lines um good passing uh just a flat out good racetrack i know that on saturday it was a little bit um slick because we had that light drizzle all day so that um made it a little bit difficult but that was uh i think a good move on the tracks part by not you know, tilling it up and disking it up just in case it did pour and make it a mud hole and made it to where we were still able to race. So, um, I, I give props to them and I, I definitely hope we go back. I think that it's a really good racetrack and, um, has a, has a lot more potential for a lot of good racing in the future. Did you, um, talk to any of the riders, uh, that had unfortunate incidents there by chance? Um, I got spoke with, you know, Chad, um, just texted him to see how he was dark, how, how he was doing. Um, and I've obviously talked to Joel. Joel's one of my best friends. Um, but that was just, that's a whole shot. That's the racing, you know, that, that stuff happens. Um, I reached out to Zach Decker. Um, I know he's, you know, obviously in, in, um, 
you know, in a lot of pain and, um, you know, he's probably struggling a little bit right now. And, uh, we never, never heard back from him, but, uh, you know, I've, I hear he's doing well, but I hear that wasn't, you know, the track I hear that was more of, um, a mechanical. Um, yep. and then, you know, the other guys, I think, you know, they were just racing incidents. I think it could have happened anywhere. It just so happened to, to kind of be there, you know, I think it, uh, it's unfortunate because it, you know, there's been, um, you know, bad stuff happened in the past there. Um, but I don't think it was anything to do with the track. I just think that people were, were going for it. You know, it's a pro class. You're going for, for good finishes and, um, it's open wheel racing. So you, you touch wheels and, and stuff happens. That's all I can say about that. You're racing for money. You yeah, know? You're racing for money and we're pros, man. Uh, and I, uh, I tell all my guys that, or I, I tell, you know, rookies, like I had a rookie, Adam Ulrich come down and I say, you know, we're, we're stone cold killers out there, man. Like you gotta, you gotta be ready for it. You're not ready. You think you're going there and just have a good day, go good day without, uh, without having any controversy on the track, you know, not so much off the track, but a little bumping and banging. I mean, you're in for, um, you're in for a treat because there's a lot of it. So I say we're stone cold killers and, um, you know, that's how it is out there. And that sometimes, uh, ends up getting people hurt, but, uh, we have, we're not, we're not, uh, here to, to sugarcoat it and, uh, we don't have a roll cage for a reason. You know, it's, it's dangerous. So you gotta, people gotta realize that and just, uh, keep on keeping on. Yeah. I, I think that when you guys, you're racing for the dollar and that makes it more intense, it doesn't mean that you're not friends off the track, but when the green flag drop flies, I'm sorry, you know, I got to feed my family. Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, that's how I look at it now. Like when I was younger, you know, it was like, I wasn't really making much anyways, you know, I couldn't, you know, if I won, I wouldn't make much, but, uh, now that I'm older and I'm seasoned, um, you know, how to know how to kind of work with sponsors and, and get those sponsors. And, um, you know, people know that I'm pretty consistent, uh, finishing up there and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, now it's all about, you know, paying my bills and, and feed my family and, um, I'm in the process of buying a house, so I'm going to have a house payment and, um, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's all about, it's all about business right now. And, um, you know, I get her back. I feel like I, I lost that win. Um, you know, I got passed, uh, both motos by Bryce, um, which hurt, but, um, you know, I just keep telling myself and my training in the past couple of weeks that, you know, he beat me in my home state. Now I got to go to his and, and, uh, and give it back. You know, I mean, that's just how you got to look at it. And, um, I hope to do so. And, uh, have you pay, raced pay the bills, pay some bills? Have, pay the bills. Uh-huh. have you raced that facility before? Yes. I really, I really enjoy that facility. I really do. I've, uh, I've had, I've always had a lot of speed there. Um, sometimes my fitness has came into play, but right now I don't think that's an issue like it has been in the past. So I think that we're, uh, with what like we talked about before with the package that I have and, um, the headspace that I'm in, in my life it. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an all out work again in Texas and we'll see who comes out on top. Can I, uh, can I ask a personal question about your, about your health? Yeah. You, you have, we, we, we know you've had some health issues. You, you told me about them uh, in, in a lighter form before, um, you have that under control. Yeah. Yeah. It was more or less, um, finding foods that I was pretty much poison to me. Um, I could say like, just, I was eating this stuff all the time and didn't really know what was wrong with me. And, uh, you know, just wondering what the heck was going on. Um, that's been for years, you know, struggling with that. And, um, just felt like food was always like a a culprit to me and, um, was, uh, not my friend, but now that I have, have nailed that down and got that figured out and got my stomach healed and, um, you know, able to digest properly and, get all the stuff I need to out of my food. I think that, uh, yeah, I think, um, I've got to figure it figured out for sure. That's pretty awesome because I, I was told by other sources that, that some of the things that you were suffering were super difficult to overcome in career ending in some cases. Yeah. I had Epstein bar in 2019. Uh, yeah, in 2019 I had Epstein bar really bad and, um, I was, I was exhausted. You know, I wasn't making any money really. Um, I was riding under Baldwin. I had a great, I had a great gig with Baldwin, but, um, you know, it, he's not paying my bills, you know what I mean? And, um, he gave me a good bike, but you had to have, um, you had to go out and get, get these sponsors. And I didn't have them at that time. And, um, just with Epstein bar and I was struggling with my career and, 
struggling training and, um, you know, it got worse as the year got went on and, um, you know, I just, I was done. You know, I told, I told, uh, I told Mark at the end of that year, I said, either I get this ride with Phoenix or, or I'm done, you know, I'm not coming back. And, uh, thankfully David Eller, um, took faith in me for a couple of years, you know, 2020, I think was a, a building year for us. And we struggled on those Hondas a little bit. Um, but 21, 21, when we came out on those Yamahas, it was, uh, it was a, a revival of my career. So, um, I kind of figured some stuff out with food and my training and, um, what I needed to do for myself then. And, uh, you know, just, yeah, it carried on into 2022 going, you know, when I left Phoenix and going to do my own thing. Well, I just feel like I'm getting better and better and with what I eat and knowing how I feel. And, uh, yeah, it's good. That's, that's good to hear. I mean, because you do have fan base. My son is a huge fan of yours and he likes to, uh, uh, watch and, and gets, he, get, he doesn't get involved as much as he used to, but he gets a little bit from me and then he does a little bit of research on his own. So he uh, is that's a awesome. fan and yeah, just, you know, always asked if I had talked to you and, the fact that I told him I was talking to you today, he was, you know, super excited and, you know, wanted to listen in, but unfortunately there's no way to make that happen. <laughs> uh, Tom, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks so much. I'm sure he, he'll he love the fact that, that, that I brought it up. So um, going into Texas, you're 60 points, you're seven points out of the lead. You have Joel Hetrick in between you and Bryce Ford the way you've been finishing and the way you've been riding, you're setting yourself up to be a title contender. Um, and that hasn't been, you haven't been there for a few years and you've never been there with this mindset to my knowledge. No, I know that in 2019, I had a, at the beginning of that season, you know, I was, I was feeling all right before I got sick that uh, I had a chance to take over the lead at, um, I think it was Ironman. I think it was round. I think it was actually round three or something like that. Um, I was able to take over the red plate, um, a possibility to take over the red plate. And um, I was really close to do so. I actually almost passed Chad in the mud moto and my bike started running a little, a little crappy. And um, yeah, I ended up not getting that and, um, you know, not getting the points lead and I was in second. Um, and then, you know, throughout the year, didn't end up working out, but there's been one other time where I was there. And uh, this time I don't plan on letting that slip through my fingers. Um, I let it slip through my fingers at, at Gatorback, I think I could have been either tied with, uh, for say, Joel finish how he finished, or, or heck, I could probably could have been the points leader, um, or tied with him if things went how it went, and if I didn't get passed by Bryce and went one two or one one or whatever would have happened that day, I think it could have been the points leader, and um, that one that hurt. I was uh, took a couple of days to to get over that one, um, but uh, I think that now that you know going to Texas, I've had good finishes there and, um, been working my butt off and, um, took that as fuel instead of kind of, you know, tapering back and, um, feeling sorry for myself. I just put my head down and, um, you know, been riding really good. Um, yeah, just really enjoying myself and, uh, just trying some different things on the track and, and doing things that I think that I haven't done in a little while, feeling good on the bike and, um, just, just, yeah, riding good. Uh, I feel like I'm riding well and, um, at Gator back, I was beating myself up, but at the end of the day, I felt, um, uh, I felt like I rode a really good race. I felt like I rode one of the best races in my career. Um, I made no mistakes the whole moto. Uh, yeah, not, not one mistake. Uh, I think that that Bryce was just a little bit better than me by following me the, the whole race. And, and, you know, he had this one option option line that he took and, and got by me. So, I can't be too upset. I felt like I rode flawless and I just got to take that into Texas and, and try to get that red plate. And, um, if not, at least move up to second in the points and, and, uh, keep on trucking, man. Cause I know that my starts are on point and hope to, um, rip a, rip a couple more good starts and, and battle for the lead. Yeah. That's always the goal. Well, that's, that's what we expect from you. Exactly. Um, if we can take a look at the class on a whole, you had qualifying in Daytona. You had a full gate in Gatorback. When was yeah. the last time in your career that you had full gates in qualifying? Um, it's been a little while. You know, I think that um, it's been quite a few years for sure. Um, I, I honestly can't remember 
exactly a year. I know that um, 2016, 2017, um, 2018, I think there was a pretty decent amount of guys, but I can't remember full gate. You know, it's been a while to, to send some people home is uh, something we haven't done in a while. So that's not a bad thing. You know, I think that people moving in and, and um, spicing it up with us is, is, uh, is a really good thing. And it excites me. I think it is too. You're talking about, you, you've got a, a John Galata Jr. Coming off the XC coming out there and riding with you guys and, and performing well. And then you have a field of rookies that uh, have came in that uh, are potentially going to do well. You, we talk about the third place guys, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I know Joel's fast. I know Chad's fast. But you and Bryce and a few others have emerged to battle for those one-two spots. Is that the way that you're calculating it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I, I know Joel won the second moto there at, uh, at Gatorback, but that first moto and even the second moto, we rode really good. I think that if we can get a start and get up there and, um, you know, try to try to push on these guys a little bit and, um, you know, Joel's going to be hard to beat. There's no doubt about it, but I know that uh, I beat Bryce before and um, I could do that again. It's just a matter of taking that next step and, and, and beating, and beating Joel, um, you know, Chad's gonna be hard to beat, but I think he's going to be, he's going to be on a little bit of a struggle bus at Texas. Um, I'm thinking, you know, we, maybe not, but I think that, uh, you know, at Gatorback, even if Chad was, was out there and, uh, there had been a, a really good race between, between us. I think that how me and Bryce and heck even Zach Decker, at the beginning of that first moto was we're riding. I think that could have had a really good moto with, uh, a lot of, a lot of different you know, a lot of different riders and Chad being one of them and Joel being one of them. Looks like Nick Janus has bumped up his uh, finishes this year as well. He He's riding better, you know? Yeah, for sure. He yeah, has Nick's riding good. And um, we had a, a good battle at that Decker training facility race. Um, but, you know, I'm, and this is not, I haven't, I haven't battled with him too much. Like we usually do um, other than that, but uh, yeah, he's, he's riding well. And I think, um, you know, like I was saying before, it's a matter of who's got good starts and who doesn't right now. And um, I feel like I got that dialed and uh, plan to plan to keep keep that rolling through the season. Um, that'll that'll keep me up top for sure. That's exactly what you need to do. Hey, when you when we were talking a bit ago, we were talking about your transition uh, into the from the Hondas to the Yamaha. Did you have any setbacks when you did made that transition? Or was it just instantaneous, like some guys talk about, you know, going from riding the Honda and loving it that, oh, wow, this is even better when they got on the Yamaha? I think that having Joel and Phoenix, they were on it a couple months before I got on it. So that helped a little bit, um, you know, because I was, I was uh, you know, Joel was just, he was on it for a couple months before they even had one built for me. So I think that helped a little bit when I got it, that they did a little bit of development on it. But, um, you know, it's, it was definitely different. I struggled a little bit at first, um, with motor packages. And I think that, you know, a couple races in, um, like Aonia pass in 2021, where I ended up going five, two for my first, um, podium in over two years, I think it was, and, or a year and a half or something like that. And, um, that was a big turning point for us and kind of just took that and, and ran with it. And, um, but I, it was a, a little harder transition than most uh, than most think it is to, to ride at that elite level. You could feel as good as you want to feel, but when you're not going as fast as you need to go, it's uh, hard to say you feel that good, you know? So, um, yeah, just there's a lot of things that were different on this that, uh, you know, that didn't transi transition over from the Honda to the Yamaha. Um, a lot of it was, was um, you know, setup-wise, I think it was difficult. and. Um, you know, shocks and I've been not struggling, but we've been changing something for, um, this is my third year, you know, always trying to, to be better with it. So, uh, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing and ride height. Um, I always felt like I was falling over the front of the Yamaha when I first got on it, like I would go in the corners and I felt like I was, um, you know, going the front end was dropping really far and the rear end was coming up and I felt like I was just going to fall over the front. Um, that was a big problem at first. And, 
Um, the front end was super twitchy, twitchy and, and weird, but you know, obviously that's just set up stuff. And, um, we fixed that and just been trying to fine tune it since. Do, do you run the Suzuki spindles like most people? Yeah. Yep. I run the Suzuki front end. Yep. And it just seems to, to turn that much better. Yeah, but I've honestly never ran a Yamaha with Yamaha spindles. So I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> My bike came but, from Phoenix in 2021 with the Suzuki spindles on it. And that's all I've ever rode. So um, I think I think everybody runs them, runs them in the pro class for a reason. Um, you know, I stand by that. And um, it's a little pricey, but I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I, I am actually going to put a set on a Honda and see what it's like. I just haven't got the bike finished yet to, to make that happen. You know? Yeah. It's uh, the Honda. I think it made a really big difference. Um, you know, cause I, I just, I just think it, it really did. And, uh, but the Yamaha, yeah, I'm not sure because I've never, I've never rode it with Yamaha spindles. So it's definitely a good, uh, a good question there. I'm not sure. I've done a little bit of riding, nothing at your caliber, of course, but I like the way the Yamaha works in stock form. So, uh, you make it better. I'm just like, wow, that's going to be incredible. It is crazy that uh, the Yamaha performs at a really, really high level bone stock. I just, I had a, I had a stalker that I rode um, most of the off season last year when I was trying to get my program together and, and building uh, my own bikes and stuff like that. I rode a stalker like hell for a long time. And a lot of times I just brought it in case my, my um, race bike or my practice bike would break. I would just have the stalker sitting there ready to fire up and go. Um, and it, I would do things on that thing that people you know, would be like, how are you doing that on a stock, stock machine? And I was like, I, I don't know. It works good. You know, you don't need all that fancy stuff. If you don't want it. You know, you don't need it. You know, it helps. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, that stock machine will, will do some damage for sure. Do you miss the, uh, pro stock class? I never ran it. I never ran really? it. So I never, I never got to experience it. You know, I just, I never had um the opportunity and if i if i did it was going to cost me you know my own money um you know i bought my stalker after that year and was gonna maybe run some last year but they got rid of it so uh, i think it would have been fun it looked fun you know but i never got a chance to race it so you think if they brought it back it'd be something that you'd participate in i think so yeah i think i would i think i would now that i'm a little more established and uh <laughs> excuse me have um I have you know my all my bikes and I have a few of them now and um I think that you know putting a stalker out there would would just be a good time. How about as far as de developmental for your you know pro sport guys and your your pro am guys getting to race stalkers against the pros like Max Lindquist came from that era? Do you think that that would be a, a help in the developmental program for that? I think so, but um. I don't know, man. I think that, I think it was good just for, for people to get in um, and not spend a, a, a buttload of money. Um, but it, the classes, um, the pro stock was just the, the best one. Cause I think that people saw that it was a good time and they had stalkers that they practiced and they feel like they should race it. Um, but like for the ones lower than that, like the, the um, B stock or whatever it was, and those classes didn't really take off. And I, we thought that was the whole plan with the pro stock to, kind of show these people, Hey, this is what we could do on these things. And, um, well, not me, but this is what, uh, you know, some of us can do on these things. And you guys can just go buy a stock one and put some nerf bars on it and, um, a steering stabilizer and, and go rip. And I never really took off. So, um, I think maybe it would help the developmental stage, but I think that the pro sport class and pro-am, um, classes are, are good for that. And then, you know, pro-am can, can run pro and get their feet wet, um, against us you know, and, um, see how they stack up for the next year. But, um, yeah, I think that pro stock would definitely, was definitely good for that, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think pro-am is good for that as well. Even though that they are allowed to run hybrids, which do not translate into the pro class. Yeah. I think that if you're going to pro-am, I think that you should run a production bike. That's just my, my thoughts. Um, feel like when you go to transfer over to the pro class and you got to ride a production machine, it's, it changes the whole game. And, um, I think that a lot of people struggle with it when they have to go, um, when they have to go to that, you know, they have to go from, a um, let's say a Walsh hybrid or JB hybrid to 
a production bike, it's a struggle because you don't know what to expect and you're just jumping in there with your eyes closed, I feel like. So I would definitely, if I were a pro-am rider, I'd be riding a production bike to get get uh, comfortable on that and develop the bike that I'm going to race in the pro class. What do you think if they were to change the rule and allow hybrids into the pro class? Well, I think then then a lot of us would probably be on hybrids because those, uh, you know, those dirt bike motors are no joke. Those bikes pull really good and um, you can keep them mostly stock um, and, and be competitive. So, I mean, we see a lot of time, you know, we're not going to keep them stock, but I think that um, I think you think, see a lot of people switch over if, if, uh, if it did become a hybrid pro class, but um, I don't know. It's hard to say because we're all, you know, so comfortable with Yamaha and it works so good that, you know, a lot of us may stay on that too. So it's hard to say because it's, uh, it's not here. So. You do see pro-am champions on the stock Yamaha chassis, even though they're racing against hybrids though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they're competitive with the hybrids. You know, they are, there's no doubt about it, but I feel like, uh, it's just, um, you know, what you're most comfortable on. If you're comfortable on the Yamaha and got it set up right. And, um, then I think you should stay on that, but I know those hybrids are, are really good as well. So. Yeah. They just opened up the works pro class to hybrids. And when I talk to the guys that are riding them, the jury's still out on whether, you know, they're the best. I mean, Bill Barron's still a 10 time champ and he's still winning races, but he's not as, it doesn't seem to be as dominant on that hybrid as he is on the production for 50. Uh, is he on a, is he is on a hybrid. Yes. He's, oh, raced yeah. it. He, he's actually won, uh, one, two races on it, uh, for sure. I don't know what he rode this weekend. I haven't found out yet, but as soon as I do, I'll let you know when he raced Havasu and got beat, um, for nothing, for nothing other than bad luck. Um, he was on his, uh, production Honda. Really? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. I didn't know he was riding a hybrid. It's pretty cool. Yeah. They switched it over to the, the CRF motor in, in the Honda Jazz. And, um, he says it's a handful. Yeah, they are. That's what I, that's what I hear for sure. You know, I hear, I hear the front ends are a little light on them. Um, when you switch them over, you got to run a little lead in there because the, uh, the motor sits back so far in that chassis. So, um, it's definitely interesting to see, you know, these production bikes are made, um, they're made like they are for a reason. You know, these guys, those Japanese guys are, uh, are no joke. You know, they develop good machines and, um, yeah, I think that they're, you're going to throw a, a hybrid motor in there. Sometimes a lot of people don't like it, you know, cause it, uh, throws the, the weight ratio off and, you know, front to rear it makes the front end a little lighter than, than usual. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I think personal preference, man. Uh, totally. And you, and you got to get the shock thing worked out. I know in the motocross area back there, they've been running hybrids for quite a while. So uh, they have a pretty good idea how to do it, but on the West coast and in the XC, they haven't been doing that. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't, I figured they would do it, uh, you know, over there, just much it over here, but obviously not. No, none of the, I mean, you could run some of the lower classes and there's a few classes you could, but nobody just jumped on it and did it. Uh, I think for total pure cost reasons. Yeah. It's expensive. Everybody's like, Oh, you save money. Well, you got to go buy a dirt bike and then take all the stuff <laughs> off it. And you have a bare frame sitting there not worth nothing. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's still, still costs a lot of money. So that, that it does. I mean, your pro machines, if you're paying retail dollars for them, um, some of them could exceed $30,000. It's unbelievable. Oh, very easily. Um, we, I think I added it up, uh, last year, about uh building one like what it would cost retail and it was like close to forty thousand dollars i think with i mean it was just crazy i mean you know, the motors are the motors themselves you're putting eight to ten grand in alone just the motor you know yep. so to to be up at that level and uh and let alone all the other all the other parts on it because the only thing we use is the frame in the case or frame and the motor it's you know stock so um, you got to buy a lot of stuff and a lot of it's expensive. <laughs> we, we all know that. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you run any titanium? Cause I know a lot of the guys are concerned about weight and if you're not wanting to give secrets away, I understand. No, I run titanium bolts at, yeah, I run titanium bolts and, um, I run titanium, um, rocket titanium motor mounts that he made for me. And, um, 
you know, the lug nuts and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I think other than that, you know, I don't run any other tit- other titanium, just, just that in particular. Do you know how much weight you save or is it more of a mental thing for you? No, that was the first bike I've ever had. That was, uh, that was titanium bolt actually. So, um, you know, thanks to rocket for, for supplying that, but, um, I'm not sure. I think it was quite a bit, but off the top of my head, I, I'm not going to state something that I'm not positive about. So, um, you know, that's something, that's a question for, I'd have to ask you, Jake. I've asked him before and I couldn't remember what he said. So <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You have a, you have a full-time mechanic on staff or do you do everything yourself? Uh, yeah, you're staring at the full, full-time mechanic right here. So, uh, yeah, everything's, you know, pretty much done by me. I mean, um, at the races I had my motor builder, Chris Williams, and, um, I had my old buddy, Mark battle that I used to race against, uh, he was my mechanic the first two rounds and he helped me a lot, but, uh, going to Texas, it's, uh, me and pops, um, gonna, he's gonna be my mechanic and we're just going to do our thing ourselves. And, um, but yeah, at home, I do all my, my wrench and all my practice bike and, um, yeah, it just, it's, uh, it's not on the, it's, it's not affordable at, at that rate. You know what I mean? I just, with, uh, if I brought in more customers like bike work, I think that maybe I could hire somebody and they could take care of my stuff and his stuff or, and you know, um, people's stuff. Uh, but I don't necessarily have that cause I don't want to take it on because then I have to hire somebody and then it becomes a whole nother, whole nother deal. Um, so yeah, if I, if I made enough money to do it, I would hire somebody, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't make enough money to hire somebody, unfortunately. So it's all me. And you do all the driving to and from and everything. Um, Sometimes, but my parents still go. My parents are still, uh, they still participate at every race. They're still there. So, um, you know, sometimes my parents fly and sometimes they drive, like we're all driving to Texas, my family, um, me, my mom, my dad, my wife, um, my two dogs. And I think actually my sister and, um, my two nieces are participating too. So, um, we'll have a whole, have a whole clan going this weekend and, um, you know, me and my mom and my dad drive that thing and my sister drives a little bit. So, um, yeah, it won't be too bad going to Texas when having four drivers, which my wife would drive a little bit because sometimes I got to pee and she doesn't <laughs> like to take the driver's seat, but, um, I'll let her slide a little bit, but, uh, yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's awesome, but she doesn't like driving that rig. That's for sure. Well, it's big, you know, it, it's a big unit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's about 90 foot total, 85, 85 or 90 foot total. So, I mean, it's a, it's a monster. There's no doubt, but. Um, if you get in the driver's seat, she realized that it's no problem. It's like driving a car when you got to go straight, you know what I mean? Just, I'll just put it to 65 and go, you don't have to go crazy fast. Like, unlike me, like I like to rip, you know, 75, 80 in that thing, like a, uh, a madman, but that, that's my race in nature. Well, yeah, when you want to be the first one at the scene of the crime. Exactly. Or I'm going <laughs> to create the, the, the scene of the crime with a fast <laughs> right. right, right. If there's going to be one, it's going to be total loss, right? Yeah, it's not going to be good. Not going to be good. But <laughs> yeah, it's still a family thing, man. Just, uh, yeah, just me and uh, my wife and, you know, my my mom and dad. And, um, you know, I got family that supports me, but it's just all us. You know, they, they're all in. My parents are still all in for me. And, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a really good environment and, and good to, to have those people behind me and um, still support me, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn 30 in May. So, um, you know, doing this for this long and, um, and having that, that, uh, that support group for that long and, um, you know, still keeping me going is, is really cool. I, I can't thank them enough for that. And, um, still living my dream with my, my parents' support. So. Well, think about it this way. You're 30 and you got some of the guys have retired into their forties, you know, Bo Barron on the West coast is a 10 time pro and he's, 42, you know, and, and yep. Doug Gus retired when he was in his forties, Chad Weenan's still racing. He's 38. So you could have a 10, 12, you know, 14 year career still to go. Yeah. And that's obviously the plan, um, with a lot of injuries prior to, um, you know, like 2020, I had a really bad get off. And then even years, all the years previous to that, I had a lot of bad wrecks and a lot of, uh, a lot of things that took me out of championship hunts and, um, things that I always had to find crawl, my, find myself crawling back, um, you know, into shape and, um, always struggling with injuries. And, um, now in the latter part of my career, I've tend to, 
you know, minimize those mistakes, um, take a little extra time on my machines, make sure that they're hundred percent. So they don't cost me to, you know, wreck, um, uh, and take me out. Um, and just, just using my head, uh, a lot of times when I was younger, I just, I would send it and do stupid things and cost myself, um, you know, cost myself to, to get hurt. And, you know, it's not like you get to sit around and, um, you know, every couple of weeks talk about how you're hurt. You know what I mean? You just got to keep your mouth shut and, and keep chugging along and not ride in between races sometimes and go to the race and struggle and everybody's wondering what's wrong. And, you know, it's just uh, it's a circle of life. But I think that later in my career, uh, I'm, mi- I'm minimizing those big mistakes to to hurt me. And um, I've had a lot of a lot of concussions in my career. And that's what I'm scared of the most is, is um, you know, hit my head anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to practice a little easier than I used to. And, um, yeah, just trying not to get hurt. If I can do that and keep finishing where I'm finishing, and, um, you know, keep me in the support that I'm getting from my sponsors that, um, and the customers from Australia racing that I could definitely probably have a, um, a long career. And that's, that's my plan. And I love what I do and, um, just want to keep doing it. just want to keep doing it. And, um, you know, that's what we yeah. all dream of as a kid. If you, if you moved on to the end of your career and moved out of the actual racing, would you ever look to running a race team or being involved some way like that? Absolutely. I mean, if it's, um, you know, I, you know, obviously with, uh, a lot of my beginning of my career is not, you know, not being financially stable. Um, you know, I'm just always being torn, which way to go to make 75 bucks or a hundred bucks or 500 bucks or whatever it is, you know, just to get by. And, um, you know, as I'm getting older, I, I'm trying to take that away and concentrate on the, the big picture and bring in some money to support my family the way I, um, I want to. And, um, that's how it would kind of have to be then, you know, I would want to run a race team and, and do it for the fun, but, um, for going that long without making any money, it would have to be something where it's, I'm still getting compensated for, even if it sounds selfish, I just, it's a lot of work to run a race team. I'm doing it on my own right now for myself. And I know how much work it is. So, um, uh, if I was able to make a living, um, doing it and, um, I'm not talking make a killing. I just would like to make a living and be able to pay my bills to do that. I would hundred percent do it because, uh, I love this sport. This is what I love to do. Um, I love the people. I love being at the track. Um, if we're heading the track, man, I got a smile on my face. So uh, that's obviously where I want to be um, as long as I can. And I would love to run a race team. But like I said, I just have to pay the bills. You know, I'm not looking to get rich off of it or I'd be doing something else. Just have to pay the bills. And uh, yeah, like I said, I would love to do that. Just uh, it's tough. You know, it's tough to try to find that. And if, uh, you know, people were willing to, you know, um, come on my team and, and compensate me for my experiences and, um, the bikes that I build and knowing what's good and what's not. And absolutely the hundred percent would love to do that. Yeah. That would be something that would be something special. I, I truly believe that. I even kind of have thoughts of, um, you know, kind of doing it now. I kind of wanted to want to bring some people under and, um, and, and obviously, you know, make my business, um, better of course that's why we do it you know that's why you hire would hire somebody to be on your race team is to push your business to the next level and show people that it's not just me um riding this thing that it's good it's it's other people too like this is a really really good machine and the package that i have is is uh is really good and uh, i spent a lot of time on it and um yeah go ride it and tell me for yourself you know kind of thing so um there was a um i tried to get somebody uh this year to come underneath the tent and um it didn't work out um, which is unfortunate, but, um, yeah, it's, just uh, probably going to have to, uh, you know, go out and, and look for somebody again this year. And, um, we're definitely scouting some people out. So maybe sooner than, sooner than you, uh, than you think Leonard. Well, that's, that's kind of what it is about is growing the sport. And, and when you love it as much as we do, you just do things to, to elevate it and, and keep it growing. Yeah, absolutely. I love to teach and love to keep, you know, bring people under my wing and, um, I want to build somebody a good machine and, you know, they come off and they're excited to ride that thing. And, uh, I'm excited to be under there and under my tent and, um, you know, ask you questions and I tell them what I think. And I, I really love that side of things and want to do that for, you know, for some people and, um, you know, create, create good finishes for them as well, you know, help them as much as I can. So, um, you know, loving the sport is also giving back a little bit, but, 
you know, I just think it's really, really cool to have a Rochelle racing rider underneath my tent and, um, you know, somebody in, in pro-am or pro-sport or um, something like that, or heck, even somebody that's looking to, you know, go in the pro class in the next couple of years, you know, to, to carry my name on um, after I'm gone, you know. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, um, you know, we're, we're definitely got our eyes open. That's for sure. That's great. I, I, I can't wait to see that happening. As always, Jeffrey, I want to extend the invitation to you. You're more than welcome to come back and talk to me anytime. We'd love to have you. I know the fans love to hear from you. And uh, like I said, my son, Danny, really enjoys the fact that I got to talk to you. And he, he's loving the fact that you're kicking ass this year. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And I appreciate you uh, having me on here. And sorry, it took me a little while. Just uh, been a little swamped. So um, thanks for, for bearing with me. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon for sure. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International, Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to duncantechinternational at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms, and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 